The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi. I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me on Psych Up Live. Today we are speaking about divorce. No matter what the statistics say and how you come upon divorce, it is not easy. Divorce is not an event. It is a complicated process and the part of many people's lives, many people's journeys. Our guest today is Audrey Cade someone who has been on that journey and will invite us to consider when is divorce the best decision? And if so, how do we face the challenges and use the lessons learned along the way? Audrey Cade is the author of Divorce Matters, Help for Hurting Hearts and Why Divorce is Sometimes the Best Decision. She is a case manager social worker and the matriarch of a blended family of eight children. She is an experienced divorce warrior mentor in the areas of co-parenting, step-parenting, parental alienation, and remarriage. Audrey has been the mentor to countless men and women as a featured blogger for Divorced Moms and Worthy Living. Her work also regularly appears on The Good Men Project, DivorceForce.com, and Stepmom Magazine. Audrey Cade, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here today. Audrey, the book is a real contribution, um, and I wanted us to start the way you start the book with your own story, because you wrestle in your own description with the question that so many people face, which is, should I end this marriage? Do I dare think about a divorce? When is divorce the best decision? I wondered if we could set the stage by having you read there's a very powerful passage in your first chapter, and I wonder if we could read that to set the stage for this question. Yes, I sure will. My story of my marriage's destruction was what it took for me to conclude that it was over. I can't definitively state what the last straw or breaking point would be for anyone else contemplating a divorce 
Obviously, every relationship is composed of its own unique combination of personality factors and events that lead to standing on unsteady ground. Some marriages can overcome these obstacles. What one person is willing to live with might be a deal breaker for another. Only you can make the final fateful decision about whether or not to take more serious action with your relationship. No matter what you decide, you must come to understand that it truly does take two parties to break a marriage. One partner may do more damage than the other, but in an attempt not to keep score or obsess over who is to blame, I believe it's healthier to own the fact that in most all cases, both parties bear at least partial blame in the outcome. Additionally, it's important to recognize that good, healthy marriages don't break. The end of any marriage is truly a shame, but a relationship that goes as far as divorce is clearly not strong. My point here is that it's essential not to carry the shame and guilt of a divorce if it comes to that. I am still a proponent of fighting the good fight and making sure you can look at yourself in the mirror or your children in the eye and confidently state that you did all you could. Go to counseling, talk to a trusted friend, read books about relationships, plan a date, try. The bottom line is that if your marriage makes you feel like garbage, if you dread going home, if you are the worst version of yourself in your spouse's presence, or if your spouse is not willing to put in the effort to fix the relationship, then you may need to accept defeat. Let's be real. If your husband or wife won't acknowledge that there's a problem, refuses to talk about it, disregards your concerns or won't go to counseling, then the situation is out of your control. A marriage requires both parties to give 100% of their effort, not 50-50, but 100-100. So not just one of you can resurrect a failing marriage. As with any sort of behavioral change, the parties involved must wholeheartedly recognize the need to change, want to change, and be willing to put in the effort to create change. Audrey, I have rarely read or heard anyone say it so powerfully and so well. I mean, it really tells us you're someone who values marriage, but you also are recognizing for all our listeners, sometimes divorce is the best decision. Now, in your story, what was it? What did it take for you to get this across to your spouse? It sounded like he was actually coming from a very different place. Yes, I mean, it was it was very difficult, and I think what I've come to realize is that often in a relationship that's declining, one of the partners may be much more aware that there's a problem and, and really feeling the effects of that, while the other person may be very much in a fog and oblivious to the fact that there's a problem, not mm. recognizing um, the, the cries for help that the other spouse is putting up. So it, it did take me first coming to terms with the fact that there was a real problem here and that we needed help and we needed to take drastic action and then making several pleas to him that, look, this is, this is not going well. We need to do something. We need help. Um, I think it took him pretty much the time that we were actually divorcing to completely wake up from that. And mm. as a result of that, you know, divorce is very much like a death or another catastrophic event in your life. It um, also has a grieving process. And, and I think because I had recognized for probably at least three years that, that we were really in trouble, 
I had already gone through the whole grieving process. I had spent my, you know, days going to bed every night crying and, you know, just feeling completely um, hopeless and helpless. And, 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 and it really took much longer for him to recognize that and then actually start that grieving process. I so do it, think- it is a very torturous process to go through for sure. I I actually think um, it's very complicated, the grieving process. And I want you to know, someone told me today, the reason they wanted to listen to the show is because they saw in the description that you'd be talking about grieving. And often that gets missed or is well hidden behind blame and shame. People generally would rather be angry than get in touch with the pain of loss. Um, or they'd rather be retaliatory because people feel they're trying to restore their dignity, but nothing much happens with that. And I, I couldn't agree more. In their own way, people grieve. Some people, some people have said to me, I cannot get in touch with the loss too much until I am out of this marriage or I will never leave. So I think it's a very powerful dynamic and it's it's, you, you really mention it quite a few times and discuss it really in, a, in an important way as you just did and throughout the book. Now, he was really not the one who wanted this and he comes to finally agree to it. So as I was thinking about it, it seems like you then might have been the one that was seen by the outside world as the perfect, the person who ended this marriage that looks so perfect on the outside. Yeah, and I, I do think that that's really a matter of perspective. Who pulled the plug on this marriage? I, I'm sure to the outside world, it appears that I'm the one who pulled the plug on the marriage because I am the one who initiated those final conversations and actually went to a lawyer and filed for divorce first. Mm-hmm. But I think if you really look at it, the demise of the marriage was not on the day we went to court. The end of the marriage was when there started to be this complete breakdown in communication in us having any kind of common interests or values uniting us in um, just having even basic respect between us. So me being on the inside of this situation, I really see that he had his hand on that plug years ago, whether he realized what he was doing or not. Um, what, what advice would you give to people about the postings they're going to see on Facebook, the chill out from the in-laws, the friends or who start to split what side they're on, and all of a sudden there's even a loss of friends. What advice have you given the many, many people who have connected with you? It's very troubling. Um, of course, we expect that when you're going through a divorce, there will be a divide of furniture and bank accounts and things like that, and you don't expect this to extend all the way to friends and family, but it does indeed happen. Um, I found in my particular situation, I mean, I never wanted to get a divorce. I, I was, I felt that this was a gigantic failure that I had not succeeded in my marriage, and I was very unhappy about it and, and disappointed in myself, and it, it was shameful to face people and, you know, have to explain, you know, we're not going to make it, we're, we're splitting up, especially having children involved. Um, mm-hmm. On the other hand, he, and I think that, you know, a lot of partners take this stance, 
went very public with it. You know, he, he, his pain and his emotions were very raw. And so he took that to the, the public basically to deal with it. And, you know, I much prefer to keep my feelings and my shame and, and my story to myself. It's not something that I really wanted to talk about at that point. And I think that that's perceived by people watching this situation that, oh, the one who's keeping quiet or, or not saying much, there must be some guilt or there must be some, um, you know, they've done something wrong, whereas this other person is the victim. And that's not necessarily the case. I think it's just a personal preference of how people want to handle that at that moment. Now, these are the times where I know <clears throat> you speak a lot about the importance of networks. These are the times where the few inside friends, male or female, often are really important to have when the wave of uh, rumor and blame is coming at you. Yes. I I finally had to conclude that the people that mattered were going to stand by me and support me no matter what anyways. I couldn't affect what everyone else's opinion or perception of the situation was. I had to really just come to peace with that and let that go. Of course, I don't like to think that there's people out there who possibly think the worst possible thing about me, but there's nothing I can do about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But what is so wonderful in the midst of one of the most horrible situations you can go through is the fact that these amazing people will come out of the woodwork who do feel for you and who have been there. And this is where I get my whole work persona, the, the divorce warrior from. I call all of these people who've been there, who've experienced this pain, they've lived through it, they've grown through it, they've become stronger, they're warriors. They're, uh, and I had my own divorce warriors. I had people that I work with, um, friends of mine from way back that I might have reconnected with on Facebook and whatnot, these people were my scaffolding that held me up during these very difficult times, Mm. and they inspired me, they gave me hope, they gave me amazing words of wisdom that I still turn to today, and so they became my divorce warriors, and, and I don't know how I would have survived without those people. I may have definitely lost some people in the process. But I gained myself, and and I definitely gained the love and support of these other people. And that's what I hope to return to other people. I have now survived this process. I feel like I've earned my stripes as a warrior. And so hopefully I can help other people ease into this learning maybe some from some of my mistakes or um, taking some of my wisdom with them to make it just a little easier for them. Let's talk about the children. Now, did you, your children were how old at the time? Um, Approximately five Mm -hmm. and seven. And did you plan to tell them together? How did that go? Yes, and they were very young. Uh, I mean, my my son had heard the word before, and I think he roughly understood what divorce was, and he told me later that he wasn't surprised that we made that announcement. Um, My daughter really didn't know what that meant. So upon making that announcement, which, of course, you just dread, that's the last thing that I wanted to do was split up my children's home or or make it so that they couldn't have both of their parents under one roof, Um, but it needed to be done. And they really took it very well, or I felt, okay, well, this is going to be all right, but it, it... 
they really didn't understand what they were hearing. It wasn't until we were actually living it that they understood what this would really mean for them. And we we had our rough times. I mean, we're we're doing very well now, but it it took a a lot of growing and, and work to get us where we are today. Well, for the children, it's worth us remembering it's a process for them, too. And I say to people, be prepared to be ignored, rebuffed, told that you're the one to blame, depending on the age of the child, because the children, its an, they're already, they're somewhat startled, sometimes not. I say to people, the little ones may continue to play. The school children might say, does this mean I lose my friends in my school? The college kids say it's about time. So you're going to get different kinds of reactions, and it's really how you handle what they what they say and how you accept that this is going to, as you say, Audrey, it unfolds over time. Sometimes it gets more heated with the visitations in terms of you made this happen to me or as you talk about in your book when the exes show up. But generally from the day you tell the children, there's no perfect way, but it's worth being ready to listen and continue the dialogue. I mean, it's not going to happen in a minute, and they're not going to wrap it up in a minute. Sure, and six years later, I mean, I'm still open to having very honest discussions with them and being sympathetic, um, you know, when they have challenges in their life that are because of this divorce. They didn't ask Mm. for this. You know, they didn't ask for a divorce, or they didn't ask to have to spend time between two homes. They've been fabulous about it, you know, so I, I'm very proud of them and how they've handled it. And it, it's required a lot of growth on their, their dad and my's part, too, because that's not easy. Co-parenting is not an easy thing to do. When mm-hmm. this is a person that you are not getting along with and the emotions are extremely raw and there's a lot of pain on both sides going through this divorce... I mean, obviously, if you could get along on everything, you would probably still be married. But now you have to negotiate um, maintaining two homes and helping children adjust to two different environments in both places, and that's very difficult. And and we did not do very well in the beginning um, just because we were both so filled with pain and making our own life adjustments. So... We argued more than I would like to say, you know, in front of the children and otherwise, and we weren't always the most cooperative or the best at communicating. But we finally came to a point where I think we recognized in each other and found some respect for each other in the fact that we both were completely committed to these children, loved these children, and knew that it was very important to the children to have both of us in their lives. And uh, therefore, we needed to support those relationships with each other. Um, I think what helped my son, who's the oldest, the most, was hearing from me repeatedly, I just want you to be happy. If going to your dad and spending time with your dad makes you happy, that makes me happy. I don't want you to feel like you need to say bad things about him to make me happy or that I want to see you miserable. I want you to go and have a good time. Your dad loves you. You're free to love him. You don't have to choose. You don't have to feel like you need to take sides. And I think hearing that many times and seeing it through our actions also, very careful not to disparage 
their dad at all in front of them. I think that it really what? sank in and it gave him peace and he was able to release that and, and really is just a great, very well-adjusted kid now. Audrey, it's a great message to send to our parents out there. We're going to take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live, and we're speaking about divorce with Audrey Cade, author of Divorce Matters, Help for Hurting Hearts, and Why Divorce is Sometimes the Best Decision. Stay with us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. If you want to stay on the cutting edge of the bioeconomy, tune into TerraTech with host Jim Lane. Every day, new and substantial products are in our lives. What we wear, eat, and drink in our travels and in our health. TerraTech will spotlight these products and show you where and how they are being used. Listen for TerraTech live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Join the innovators and the innovations and move forward. Where can you learn about EasyWayPromotions.com's social media marketing, brand positioning, and more? Easy Talk Live. Where can you get tuned into celebrities in the business world? Easy Talk Live. Where can you learn about entrepreneurment? Easy Talk Live. Every week, host Eric E.Z. Zuli and his celebrity friends talk about global causes, offer tips and tricks that you can use right now on social media, and give you the chance to promote your projects on Easy Talk Live. Every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking about divorce with Audrey Cade, the author of Divorce Matters. Audrey, one of the things that you say, which I think is so true, is be prepared to feel like you're swimming in a cocktail of feelings. And then you give the advice to stay better and get better through this process rather than stay bitter. And I wondered if you could talk about that a little Sure. As far as the emotions, I can't imagine a more chaotic, uh, 
cocktail or roller coaster or whatever you might want to call it that someone enters into upon initiating a divorce, whether that's just the decline of the marriage or making these decisions about divorce or the divorce itself. Um, I mean, obviously, because it is very much like a death or another major loss in someone's life, this is essentially all of your hopes and dreams that you had um, in your mind for this marriage, having this life with this person and the, and, and the things you were going to share for many years to come, it's like putting it to rest, and, and that's a very difficult thing to do. So there will be times where you're wallowing in great sadness and, and disbelief, and you can't believe that this is happening, to anger because of whatever the issues are that are contributing to this matter. At times you may feel euphoric that, hey, you know, I'm actually um, getting my life back or I'm starting to feel human again. And, and so you can be all within the course of a day or, or an hour for that matter, just all over the place with these emotions. So uh, that's a very difficult thing for anybody to endure. Um, no, but it, I, it's, it's good that one of the things you're doing is normalizing them because sometimes people are thinking, oh, my God. What kind of mistake did I make here? And that usually happens when they're in their home or apartment alone and it, the other parent has the visitation and they're thinking, how did I get here? This is not what I planned. This is not where I'm supposed to be at this age. And it's so normal to feel that and then to feel, as you say, the next day when something happens, oh, thank God I'm not married to this person anymore. Absolutely. I mean, I think I, I mean, I knew logically in my head that getting a divorce would mean big changes in my life, one of which would be visitation with, you know, my children going between uh, my ex and myself. But I don't think until it actually happened that I found myself spending a night with my children not there with me or and then that extending to days without my children around me, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, I I couldn't imagine um, going through that. And I did find myself saying, what have I done, you know, Mm -hmm. that I've put myself and them in this situation to where we're not together. Um, I mean, I think that my justification that I had to keep coming back to was, I know this was the right decision for them and for me because... There was so much conflict in that home. We were both, as individuals and as a couple, so unhappy. We were the worst possible versions of ourselves when we were mm. together. And, and, and how, kids need and how, happy, right. strong parents. Perfectly and and we weren't able to give them that together. Um, but, yeah, it, it can. There, that was my moment of shock in in facing the reality of what my divorce was, meaning that I would not have my children with me. Um, That's going to be different for everybody, whether it's just being alone for the first time or facing a major challenge or even a good thing that you would normally turn to a partner and say, hey, did you see that? Or, you know, want to share a laugh with somebody and they're not there. But then Mm -hmm. the next moment, you may accomplish something that you never thought you would do. Um, You know, I'm not a 
very technical kind of person. So something as simple as just maybe setting up the video game system for my kids or something like that might be like a major <laughs> accomplishment in my world because I would have normally turned to my husband to do something like that and he wasn't there to do that. But look at me. I could watch a YouTube video or I could, you know, read and, and figure it out and, you know, I can do this. I, I think I'm going to be okay. You talk a lot about and I love it, the building of mastery in the middle of all this, as you say, from, you know, dealing with plumbing to um, uh, setting up something on the computer. And I think that I have heard men describe that they become terrific cooks to make the food the children likes, fathers who make the bun that the little ones need for the ballet class. I mean, it's it's really in the midst of the tears, there's often tremendous growth if you let yourself go with it. And when there are children, they become a viable and a treasured, um, you know, focal point. And if there are children are already grown, it doesn't mean that they they no longer need your attention, but they need it, of course, much less. Then then you may turn your attention to other things. Um, my mom went from being a stay-at-home mother to someone who ended up as a very successful real estate broker. And it was she just kept taking steps along the way, regardless of what anyone said. And she had a network of friends, just as you describe, Audrey. So I think the mastery building is a very important part of this. Now, what does get tricky, and I think you need mastery for it too, is what you call the nerve-wracking legal maze. Now, what kind of words of advice can you share on that? Well, certainly um, anything legal is out of my wheelhouse. I, you know, I'm a social worker. I don't understand legalese, and um, that's one of those moments, whether it's figuring out a plumbing issue or whether it's figuring out a divorce agreement that you need to sometimes turn to an expert to help you. And, and that is certainly one of those times. Now, in my situation, we were very fortunate that despite all of the hostility and negativity going on between us, we did at least have the sense to make ourselves have some serious conversations about how we wanted things. And as a result of that, we were able to make our, um, our arrangement much less complicated than it had to be. We actually ended our marriage as a result of a dissolution instead of a divorce because we were able to come up with the whole agreement ourselves. So that not only saved us time, it saved us money, and it became our plan instead of what was imposed on us by the court. So that means that our custody arrangement, um, how we wanted things handled as far as the children's medical care, school, how we wanted to divide property, everything was pretty much developed by us. I mean, there were some um, sticky points that we did have to negotiate out with lawyers' help, but that's something that if there's any possible way that you think that you can try to have a civil discussion with your soon-to-be ex and work out those details yourself, I think that you'll be happier for it in the long run. And it will be what you want. It'll be something that makes sense in your lives with your schedules and your jobs rather than just some convoluted schedule that the court develops that may not work for everybody. So that's a huge point of advice. And also just ask questions. If you don't understand 
something. Um, I didn't understand a whole lot about things, technicalities with the deeds and the mortgage and trying to get things separated out that way. And I think I was maybe a little too quiet and just kind of let some things slide through and didn't ask as many questions as I should have. So definitely um, open yourself up, take lots of notes, Try to have as many conversations as you can and work out the details yourself. And I think in the, in the end, you'll be much happier with the results. Two things I want to pass on that you mentioned that I thought were very important to underscore was when it comes to children, make sure the school is informed so that you don't have to become the secretary to the other partner. They get the messages, they know about the meetings, and you know about the meetings. So that that becomes very clear. The other thing is what you called right of refusal in terms of visitation. If your partner is called away at work, you have the right to say, I can take the children even though it's not my weekend, rather than have them be with babysitters. These little things I think people gather from, they'll gather it from reading your book, from talking to other people, but there's no way on earth when people are emotional that they go into a situation, as you say, knowing the legal ins and outs when they've never been in this territory before. So, as you say, asking, and then when it comes to living according to the legal stipulation, it is worth referencing back. It's very powerful, rather than back and forth fighting, to say it's in it's in our divorce papers, it's the way we arranged it, so that people forget, they think they can adjust it, but if you can use it without as much contention, the less contention, the better for the children. Absolutely. Uh, that agreement, those are court orders, and a lot of people tend to forget that. They just think, oh, it's just a suggestion or this is just kind of our certificate just saying that we officially divorced. That is a court-ordered plan. It is pretty much the blueprints to spell out exactly what you need to know as far as parenting and, and who is responsible for what. And a lot of people do just kind of think they can fly by the seat of the pants and do whatever they want. Um, you know, we... My ex and I both had to learn by actually living how our agreement was going to fit into our lives. We have made some minor adjustments just in the way that we like the schedule. Thankfully, over time, we've just gotten better at communicating, so we're able to work those out. But those boundaries are incredibly important. And and I see this firsthand because I am now remarried, and my husband and his ex, have a lot of issues with their parenting plan and have a lot of difficulty in following it to the letter. And there's a, a lot of discrepancies from one holiday or one situation to the next with maybe following it this time, not so much the next time, and it causes a tremendous amount of issues. So I would mm-hmm. definitely recommend for the first year and a half, I believe, I carried mine in my purse with me all the time because I never knew when I might get a call from the school or a doctor's office and I might need to make a copy of it or I might need to refer back to it and see exactly what it did say. So until it really became a part of my everyday life, um, you know, it, it's your handbook. You need to refer back to it and, and you need to stick to it. And in, uh, I think really setting those boundaries and staying firm with them with your ex is just going to make everybody's life easier. Okay. So now let's talk about, obviously, you dated again. 
because that's a big piece for people that is going back into the dating world and as you did eventually dealing with people and their exes how did you meet your husband um actually through work I mean, we don't didn't work at exactly the same location but he was associated with my work i'm in social work and he worked with a, an agency that we deal with and so we just you know, met each other having meetings and then eventually became Facebook friends and then it just kind of came from there and we both had very similar situations where we could kind of share the everyday trials of, you know, going through children and visitation and exes. So really he just kind of started out as a, as a friend and a good support of somebody who understood what I was going through and it just grew from there. Well, one thing that you say that that I thought was so important, I I really agree with it, is when you do go back into the dating world, and I want to recommend an earlier show we did on Deeper Dating with Ken Page, which really involves getting in touch with your best self and then going in some way to see if there's someone who recognizes that reciprocally with you. But one important thing you say, Audrey, is your children do not need to meet every dating partner you have coffee with. They need their parents. They don't need new dates. That's right. That's too much chaos to throw into their life. That's too much confusion, especially the age that my children were. I could see possibly kids in high school or college, you know, they may be a little bit more understanding just about adults dating and meeting other people, but not everybody needs to be introduced as a partner. You need to have enough time first to get to know this person, make sure that they're worthy of you and that they would even, you know, go through your vetting process and be somebody that's appropriate for your kids to meet. Um, So you should be pretty serious about that person before you're to the point of getting the kids involved. And I would say that could really go to any age child. Remember, the children have just lost the original family constellation. When they finally have decided, well, at least I have mom and dad to myself, bringing in a new maybe is the last thing we need. As Audrey, as you say, if someone is going to become the serious potential partner, little by little, the you know the introductions can be made. But it's even disruptive to high school kids because remember, no matter what age children are, they want the parent, of course, to love them. That's the love object. Absolutely. So it really, yeah, it takes some time. Kids are in a very difficult position when it comes to new relationships, um, whether it's with somebody that you're dating or whether it's with a step-parent, because not only would their ultimate preference be for both of their parents to be together, um, unless they're old enough and they really saw some terrible things and they can see that this is for the best, but ultimately almost every kid would like to see their own two parents together. So a new person coming into the situation is not only a threat on whatever time and attention they might get from their own parent, but now they have to worry about a pull at loyalties. Like, if I like this person too much, is mom going to be unhappy with me? But if I don't like them enough and I'm not supportive of dad's relationship with this new person, is he going to be unhappy with me? And even if this person's really nice... You know, uh, you know, it, it's not mom or, or it's not dad. And so e- even every nice little thing that they do for me is just a reminder that it's not mom or it's not dad. So it's, it's a very tricky position. Yes, um, it is. 
We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, let's talk about blended families, the issue of forgiveness and going on. We've been talking about divorce with Audrey Cade. She's the author of Divorce Matters, Help for Hurting Hearts, and Why Divorce is Sometimes the Best Decision. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. We're with Audrey Cade, the author of Divorce Matters, and she's really giving us a very frank and insider perspective of the journey of divorce. And we were talking about dating and meeting. So, Audrey, one thing that comes up is the question of blending children, blending families. Now, it's something I know that you've done. I wonder if you could give us some words of wisdom on that. I will sure try. It's it's a very difficult process, but it's it is very rewarding. Um, as with introducing a new partner to your children's lives, you need to take it slow and easy. Starting to 
integrate two different sets of children together, um, just keeping it very light and comfortable and being very clear with kids that, you know, there are no expectations on you to love this person, even like this person. We would like you to be respectful for sure, but, you know, this is, this is not a forced thing. We're going to let this happen organically and um, kind of try to do some activities and things like that that will help you bond together. Um, in my particular situation, it's kind of worked out nicely. Um, my daughter and my husband's youngest are the same age. They're both um, 10 and a half and 11. They have spent countless hours making mud pies and riding bikes and running around, and I have no doubt that they will grow up and, and remain friends because they have basically grown up together. Um, my son, who's now 13 and a half, is very close with my stepson, who's 15. They have a lot of similar interests, and um, they spend pretty much every moment of their time together when the, the kids are all at the house. Um, so we, we definitely have our, our positive moments where we're really doing things together, and we make... Uh, a lot of effort. You know, we have family dinner time, we have church, we have activities that we do together that are meaningful to us. Um, but I, I learned that I probably came off too strong in the beginning, uh, really gung-ho that, hey, we're a family and here I am and, um, you know, isn't this going to be great? And I've realized over time that I kind of need to pull back on that. I need to give them their space, even though there is definitely a bond and a relationship there. It is hard for these kids. It is hard for them to see someone else in the place where their mother used to be. Um, so I, I do have to be very respectful of the fact that there are, you know, some damaged and, and hurt hearts within these kids, and they need help overcoming this. And so you have to be very clear from the beginning that I am not here to replace your other parent. You have a mother. Um, and In my children's case, you have a father already. So this person is not a replacement, and we, we don't mm. expect you to ever look at it that way. This person is another person in your life who's going to care about you and who's going to be there for you. You know, they'll be there at your band concert. They'll be there at your graduation ceremony and things like that. But you have to very much respect that original parent relationship and be very careful about, you know, any disparaging comments or anything like that about the other parent because, you know, that's part of who they are. Um, very, so very well said. Yes, that that's such a good point, um, and I'm loving that you're saying the you have to give it time. I think if there's any factor that I've heard could have improved the process of blending families, it's rushing it. So when you give everyone time, sometimes they say, just as you're noting, don't come off as a new parent. Be a caring adult, and they'll find a definition for you. Right. This is not a matter of um, instant family just add water. You know, there, yeah, there right. are already parents and there are, are already children, but it's going to take time of everybody, you know, literally blending together. And I, I'm careful in using the term blended because that implies that you're almost putting all these ingredients together in a blender and <laughs> right. worrying it around until you can't even recognize who was what or what's what <laughs> when it's all said and done. That's a good and, point. And we do all each have our own individual identities, and, and they still have other families that they're a part of. But, 
in, in many ways, we are a cohesive unit in, in the things that we do and trying to build a, an identity as people who care about each other. One thing that you sort of alluded to in terms of the criticizing of the parent is one place where I see new newly married couples, both of whom have exes, get into problems is when they become protective and defensive of their new partner in terms of the way the ex is treating their their partner. They love this person and that person is treating them with so little respect. And if they get on their partner too heavy, not only do children overhear it, but it's like sometimes insult to injury. Uh, Clearly, that relationship didn't work or the partner wouldn't now be married to you. Right. So you really, you can't become, you know, like a ninja ready to take on this person. I don't think it ever works. And I think that that other parent needs to see that you have respect for their role in the children's life, too. Uh, I mean, I think you can expect as a step-parent if you come right in and completely try to take over and you're in everybody's business and making decisions that are, you know, there needs to be boundaries. You need to understand that when it comes to a parent-teacher conference and things like that, that may not be the right place for the step-parent to be. Now, if it's um, a school musical or something like that, sure. But discipline and big decisions and um, maybe the mother's breakfast at school and things like that, that may not be the place to just assume that you can just step right into that without really stepping on some toes. Well so said. for That's the children's well sake said. and to try to keep peace with the other exes, when, you, when you're marrying somebody who's divorced, you're actually kind of like inheriting another ex. So yes. you know, just try to keep the peace. You need to try to show some respect all the way around. Very well said. Now, one thing you underscore throughout the book is the importance of forgiveness in this journey of divorce. I wonder if you could share some ideas about that. Forgiveness is very important. And I'm not just talking about forgiveness for your ex and whatever they've done. That is very important. Um, but also forgiveness for yourself. I mean, I know I carried a lot around a lot of pain and guilt and shame, you know, here I am, I can't believe this, you know, I'm getting a divorce, I feel like such a failure, you know, you run into people who were at your wedding or, um, you know, other parents from school and they've got these happy, nice little families and you just feel like such garbage that you've just failed this and, and you feel like you've let your kids down because, you know, they shouldn't have to live in this kind of existence and, and you have to let that go. As long as you know that you put in the effort and you tried and you did your best, you have to let all that go or it will just cripple you. It will make you a bitter person and it will keep you from finding the happiness that's most likely the reason why you got divorced. Um, but also forgiving your, your ex for whatever's happened that contributed to that marriage breaking down. Forgiveness... What? I finally learned, does not mean I condone all of your actions, I accept everything that you did, it's okay, oh, and I have to like you. It means I'm releasing the grip that those emotions have on me. I'm not going to let it control me anymore. I'm going to be free, and I'm going to set you free from this, and we're just moving forward. 
It's such a great message. And when you think about most people do the best they can do with the resources they have at the time, sometimes you can start to see the other, even if they were intolerable in some way or offensive um, or betrayed you. You start to see them as someone who's human and vulnerable, just like you are. And as you say, you get the grit out of your backpack and you don't have to carry it into your future. Right. I mean, obviously, some acts are unforgivable. I mean, it's it's not ever something that I would condone if somebody was abusive or, or something like that. Right. So, you know, what we're saying here is you're just going to take... The, the claws out of that that are gripping onto you and that are keeping you from moving forward. Um, that doesn't mean you ever have to accept or like that person again, but we are all hum- are, we're all human. We do all make mistakes. And so, um, and, and you made mistakes too. I made mistakes. You know, there, there's things that I'm sure that I could have done that would have, you know, at least prolonged our marriage. I'm not sure that it ever could have been saved. I don't think that the two of us were really meant to be together. But, you know, I made mistakes, and you have to own that, and you have to say, okay, I made mistakes, but I'm going to turn this into something better. I'm going to learn from my mistakes. I'm going to reflect on what I did, what I could do differently the next time, and and make better choices and and be a better partner the next time around. Mm. I want people to know how to find you. We still have a little bit more time, but how would our listeners... Find your book, get to your sites. You write in a lot of terrific places. Maybe you could share that, Audrey. Sure. I'm very busy with writing. Obviously, they can find um, my book that we've been talking about today on Amazon, either in Kindle or on paper book, paperback. Um, as far as my other writing, you can find me on divorcemoms.com. I am a featured blogger there, and I have two, if not three, um, blog posts that go up there every week. I am also uh, a contributor for Worthy Living, which is on worthy.com. That's a great site. I I think it's kind of a a way of helping women move forward from divorce. If you've got this wedding ring you don't know what to do with, they will help you sell it and get the best possible price (laughs) for it so that you have something to start over with. So I have my, my blog there on Worthy Living. I also write regularly on Divorce Force. That's a great community if you're looking for other people to talk to through all different phases of divorce, great articles, resources to help you find a lawyer and things like that. That's a wonderful site. Um, I have my own website, divorcewarrior1.com. I would also invite everyone to follow me on Twitter because I'm very active on there, always posting my articles and thoughts for the day and things like that. So please follow me at divorcewarrior1. Um, I write often for Stepmom Magazine. So I'm, I'm just always busy. The thing about divorce is... There's many things that fit under that umbrella of divorce, just like we've discussed here today. It's not only the breakdown of the marriage, the divorce itself, going through the legal process, healing, um, exes, if there's children, all of those issues. There's so many things that fit under that. So I have like endless (laughs) material to work with. Um, So, Audrey, if you were to give our listeners a one-sentence take-home message, what would it be? Divorce is 
obviously a terrible experience that nobody wants to have to endure. But sometimes it, it is absolutely necessary, and there are very valid reasons why marriages end in divorce. So if you find yourself in that position, you need to try to make the best of that situation, find uh, opportunities for growth in the midst of that, really get to know who you are. Um, you will develop immense strength and really learn about yourself, and, and you'll be able to move forward after that experience a better, stronger person. Um, okay. You really do have to make the conscious choice. Are you going to be better or are you going to be bitter? So choose to be better. Terrific. I, I want to thank you, Audrey. This was a wonderful show. Thanks for your candid and valuable look at divorce and for passing on all the lessons that you learned. Thank you so well, much. Thank you for having me today. Thanks to my listeners. Remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, my website, on the podcast app of your iPhone, on the iTunes, under Voice America, Psych Up Live. Drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips.gmail.com. Until next week, please take care. Thanks and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. 